Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I'm your host. And today in the show, we've got a pair of guys who met uh, due to a common bond of having been adopted as kids uh, and then have developed into uh, business partners, uh, close friends, and more over the years. It is... Uh, Brent and Devo, the duo from Yes, I'm Adopted, Don't Make It Weird. And so uh, we're going to talk to them about a lot of different things today, but uh, among those things are going to be just the experience of having people uh, come up to you and say crazy things sometimes. Um, if, you've, if you're familiar with these guys, you probably have seen their uh, series of YouTube videos. They've got a channel um, that they dedicate to just speaking to the issues of adoption. And one of the videos that they <laughs> uh, have out are the 20 things that you should not say to an adopted person ever, ever, ever. Um, that's the name of the video and you should go uh, watch it. Uh, they're going to talk about a lot of things today. One of those is that they'll also talk about uh, their journeys into learning about brain science and um, neuroplasticity and um, discovering their own um, stories and processing through those as they've gotten older. They'll share some stories about things their parents did that uh, were game changers for them. And uh, man, I'm, I'm just so excited for you to hear this today. Uh, so without any further ado, Brent and Devo from Yes, I'm Adopted, Don't Make It Weird. All right, well, as we said, we're here with uh, Brett Carlton and Dave Overholzer and uh, Dave, a.k.a. Dave O, and uh, together they form a Gentleman's Agreement production company, uh, but also probably what more of you are uh, aware of them from is their YouTube channel entitled Yes, I'm Adopted, Don't Make It Weird. And um, so guys, thank y'all for being on with us today. And let's, why don't we start with kind of how you guys got to know each other. And so if you don't mind sort of sharing, you know, where you're from and just, you know, some background and how you guys met. Sure. So we are from uh, Michigan, uh, which is uh, in the Eastern Standard Time Zone. So we, <laughs> we definitely figured that out with uh, with our scheduling of, of this and several other podcasts that we've done. So uh, yeah, we're in Michigan. I originally grew up in Colorado. Uh, this is Dave O, by the way, since this is audio. And then uh, and Brett grew <laughs> nice. up here in Michigan. Um, I actually met his dad first when uh, my wife and I went through premarital counseling like uh, 14 years ago, I guess yeah. that would have been. And then... Uh, He's like, he basically said, oh, you're adopted from South Korea. That's cool. We have one of those. And uh, that was kind of the, the end of that conversation. That was, that was it. Yeah. yeah. And then, then we started hanging out. And then, I don't know, we knew each other for like two months. And then I was like, hey, I'm getting married. I, I need another Asian person in my wedding. You want to you wanna come? <laughs> <laughs> so I was in his wedding and uh, we've been friends and, and working together pretty much ever since. So it's been close to a couple decades now that we've been. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been fun. Kind of associating awesome and share about a gentleman's agreement is a production company and i i i naively thought oh i i get what they do and then i went to the page and i'm like lululemon uh yoga mat reviews and unboxing and i was like whoa the scope of what you guys do so why don't you tell everyone about what what that production company handles and does and then kind of how you got started with the videos so we originally created it um mainly around web content uh, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that are doing it for TV, for radios, for everything else. But uh, we knew our primary niche was uh, web 
content. And so we started just kind of throwing everything out there. We started partnering up with local businesses and partnering up with just people that we thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with. Um, so some of those reviews, like the Lululemon review, uh, was from one of our editors, uh, his wife worked at a yoga, um, a yoga place. And she just wanted to do a review on a yoga master. Like, let's just okay. do it. It sounds like fun. And we made an adventure out of it. Which so is, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, like and that. it ultimately is kind of what led to to the channel to Yes, I'm Adopted, Don't Make It Weird, was that we were, <laughs> were training uh, some of our clients how to make web content, how to do a vlog, how to make um, uh, video content that, that kept their people up to date and was kind of entertaining. And we were realizing that we didn't have any of our own. So we yep. looked at each other and said, shoot, we should probably make a vlog. And we started making a vlog that was terrible. It's uh, called so it's, Brett and Dave are bad at vlogging. That was the name of it. <laughs> it's legitimately bad. Yeah, I wouldn't go watch those. But one of our episodes was we were just looking for content. And so we stumbled on this list of 20 things never to say to an adopted person or anyone ever. And we made that episode of our vlog, which um, basically did nothing for about a year. And then two years ago, November, it was this uh, this time, it was uh, National Adoption Awareness Month, November 18, I believe it was. And um, that video got picked up and shared just across all sorts of social medias and all sorts of other stuff. And people were laughing at it and, and having a good time with it and then started asking if we could do more. And uh, that's what led to what is now, yes, I'm adopted, don't make it weird. Because <laughs> we're marketers and we know how to, how to go after it. <laughs> we knew how to handle that. You got this thing figured out. You got yeah. this thing figured out. <laughs> yeah, so Dave, Deva was in Rome on a missions trip during this time. And I'm, I'm like texting him relentlessly. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I don't know what to do. You're not here. We got to figure this out. People are asking for stuff. And so we, we made a plan while he's on the other side of the globe. Um, and then just kind of figured out, okay, so here's, here's how we're going to attack the market space. And we've been having a lot of fun doing it ever since. So I think one thing that Tana and I were struck with when, when we came across the content was just how, how disarming and helpful it is. And, and in my, now in my estimation, it's helpful because it's disarming, right? Like mm. a lot of times if I'm trying to like start learning about something, or if I'm trying to like, uh, get knowledge about something, some area that I don't know anything in or that I'm, that I'm just ignorant in. Like, I don't always want to go straight to the scholarly, you know, most uh, authoritative source. I'd rather have somebody, you know, it's the Michael Scott, like, explain this to me like I'm <laughs> like a five-year-old, right? Like, I want to have right. that. And so I think one of the things that really helped me was just the way that you guys, you know, sort of level what, what can be really heavy content um, and you don't take the, the heavier serious out of it, but you're able to talk about it and laugh about the ridiculous part of it while letting everyone, like it, it accentuates how ridiculous those things are, which is a really right. helpful tool. So uh, when, when you guys first started, when y'all, when y'all's friendship first developed, was that, was that an instant connection y'all had and something that, that was, that was immediately a common bond was, was just shared experience and talking about that? Or did it take a while before you guys started processing together adoption stuff? I mean, when we first started hanging out, it was mostly revolved around video games and ping pong. Sure. <laughs> um, like that's, that's what really kind of like, you know, like, yes, there's genetic, genetic mirroring and things like that. But uh, as far as the reason why we just kind of stuck around and, you know, became really good friends after a while was just because we had similar interests. Yeah. Um, we didn't really talk about adoption until four or five years ago, real heavily. 
Um, like, you know, like we, we've had little conversations here and there, uh, but, but nothing ever like, you know, like serious. It was just kind of like joking really yeah. about the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, our relationship was just built on interest. It had nothing to do with the fact that we were adopted or we even looked alike. Yeah. There is a part of that. I think that it, like we, we're in a small town, so we, we live in a little town called Fenton in Michigan, which I, nobody can see the hand, but like, we're like, here, you know, um, which is uh, in between some of the bigger cities, but I mean, it's, it's not a large area. And uh, we, the joke used to be that, you know, if you've seen uh, one of the Asian guys, it's either Brett or Dave O in Fenton, like basically in this city, there's only the two of us. And then the family that runs the Chinese buffet down the road. And yeah. Uh, that, you know, it, it tended to be the joke for us and we j- just enjoyed that. And it was less uh, about any of the adoption uh, issues or any of that stuff didn't really come up until until much later, really when we were looking for content to, to start the show. But um, some of it was, was conversations that were had, uh, really me trying to figure out my myself and a lot of identity issues and stuff like that, following my mom's passing, uh, which was about seven years ago or so. So, uh, when my mom passed away, it was like, oh, I ha- turns out I have like a whole lot of identity stuff I need to figure out. Shoot. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and who am I supposed to talk to that, uh, you know, uh, about that with? And uh, yeah. and at that point, it was my wife and, you know, good friends. And Brett's probably the closest in experience to me that that's in this area. And so that's kind of what sparked a lot of those conversations. And then uh, getting uh, a little bit into the adoption community, but not really... Um, a, a ton of any of that until after we had, uh, you know, been immersed in, Oh, people want our content. We probably should know what we're talking about. Yeah. We, we <laughs> didn't really know what it meant to be adopted until we really started digging into that. Honestly, like yeah, we, sure. we, we were very comfortable with ourselves. We're very comfortable with who we are. Um, but a lot of like the, the trauma brain stuff, right. You know, um, uh, being adopted, uh, infant adoptees, you know, like there's a lot of stuff that our brains just do that we never really understood. We started diving into that. And by we, I mean, Dave really started reading a lot of books and then yeah. t- teaching me. Um, <laughs> and it's like, oh, huh, I do deal with that. We should yeah. probably figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Dave, were there a few things in particular you can remember now being breakthroughs for you when you started reading it, like studying into that? Um, sure. Uh, I, I had... A um, a friend of mine recommended, uh, uh, let's see, what was it? Coming Home to Self and uh, The Primal Wound, both by Nancy Verrier. Okay. And I remember reading those, and uh, this is probably about six or seven years ago, and I read The Primal Wound. And it was the first time that I realized that there was really a, like a formal area of study that was specifically about adoptees. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that like if, if my mom had been alive, I know she would have read all that stuff, right? Like, she was the kind of person that would have gone through everything. But like, I was born in the, in the 80s, and at that point, the... the none of this research was readily available. And so to me, it right. was revelatory to see it for the first time and say, oh, shoot, like the, the one I think that made the most uh, impact for me immediately, and, I, and Brett and I talked about this, and we talk about it all the time today, is the idea that I take, um, and adoptees, a lot of us tend to take uh, uh, correction as if it's criticism. Right. So like uh, if if anybody just barely corrects, like even a paper I've done or just the way I do a thing, I take it as as a criticism of my being. Uh, And 
it was in like I read that for the first time. I was like, I always just thought I was weird, but it turns out adoptees have this thing. And I was like, Brett, if I correct you, how do you take that? Oh, right? I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> and like, like and, and it changed it changed my marriage, right? Like uh, my yeah. my wife would you know want certain things that like I would the story uh, from a couple of years ago is we were raking the yard and I had missed a spot and she told me that I missed the spot, which is totally valid. Right. And it, but like, I got mad, like, I'm upset about this. Really? What's wrong with you? Oh, <laughs> right. There's like this thing that's unresolved thing in my brain that, that is starting to work itself out and we're definitely getting better at, but having some of that reading and having some of that research available was, was definitely not something that I was exposed to, as a kid because it wasn't really there. Right. Right. Like some of the research was there, but it wasn't as available to us as it is today. And having that now is like, is, has been very cool. Um, I would say, I don't know, Brett, like, I, I think you'd agree with me on this. Like I'm really very thankful that we didn't um, Google any of this stuff <laughs> before we oh, started gosh. making uh, the content. Yes. I mean, we, yeah, uh, we started doing our own research into, you know, like different scientific fields and stuff as well. Like neuroplasticity, if you haven't researched that, uh, like anybody that's listening, go and check out neuroplasticity and what it's all about. It's huge. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff on the internet that is so dang toxic. Yeah. Um, whether whether it's, you know, and, and I'm not trying to um, to tell anybody that their story is wrong or anything like that. Everybody's validated in their own right. Sure. Uh, but there's a lot of people that have just held on to a lot of this bitterness and a lot of the hurt. And it, they've let it just kind of run their whole life instead of deciding to, to try to resolve that or trying to move past it. Hmm. Um, so yeah, the internet is a very terrifying place, especially as an adoptive parent, I believe, if you're trying to find research on how to best help your kid, I mean, cause that's what everybody wants to do, right? right. We want to raise our kids to be better than us. That's, that's the whole goal. Um, and so if you're looking online and that's all you find, like I can see how a lot of adoptive parents would just be turned off to the whole thing, or even prospective adoptive parents would be turned off to the whole thing. Cause you feel like you're getting a quote broken child um, when that's not always the case. Right. Well, I think we would say never the case, right? Like, yeah, like no, <laughs> cause broken insinuates not being able to be healed. Not, right. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Tana's done a ton of research in this area. And we've broken too as parents. So how about we just all broken together? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I would love to, can we just like talk about neuroplasticity for a minute? Cause I will start geeking out. Right. And so (laughs) I would be so curious, like when y'all dove into that, like what was the hook and like, was there hope in that? Did it clarify your experiences? Like, did things start making sense to you? Like, what about this idea that our brains can keep on changing, that they are neuroplastic? Like, what about that was, you know, something you wanted to grab onto and dive into some more? Sure. Uh, I, uh, okay, so I originally, I think on this subject, my reading started with um, The Brain That Changes Itself by Norman Dodge. And then also led into some of the work by Caroline Leaf and, and some of these other people that are yep. that are really working on in the field, which is fairly new. 
uh, as as of late, which is kind of cool. But the idea, and for me, this actually started with learning. So it wasn't even an adoption or, or issues yeah. or psychological oh, yeah. basis. Yeah. Just like what what helps us to learn, what helps us to improve, what helps yeah. us to grow, and moving past this idea that like that our brains have stopped developing once we reach a certain age or certain maturity, right? Um, so uh, that alone it was was a big deal. Like my brain is still capable of change and it's possible to to change the way that the physical structure of my brain works with the thoughts that I decide to put into it with the thought life that I that I cultivate uh within within my mind, right? So this idea that mind creates brain. And um, so to look at that from all perspectives, specifically, we're, we, at that point, we were really studying organizational learning, but to then apply that to, to where we were at as adoptees and specifically within metacognition, uh, to take a step back and look at the way that I'm thinking allows me to, in that previous example, recognize when I am experiencing something that is, uh, is not a criticism as if it is. And in, in the recognition of that, and then in, in the rewiring and thinking of something different allows me to change the structure of how my brain thinks to the point where it's, it's less of an issue. And eventually the hope is not an issue at all down the line. And, and that alone was like mind boggling, like, Oh, <laughs> I can right. think differently and it actually changes the the physical structure and the memories therein stored within the biology of my brain this is fantastic yeah. um yeah, yeah. So empowering right it's like so incredibly empowering that's yeah. how i just in my own right when i start thinking about it it feels so empowering to me that i yeah. have the capacity to like really do some good work yeah to change my brain yeah, yeah. i, I, I mean which we're not talking about on this particular episode. Yeah. <laughs> That's, not, That's not to be revealed. Yeah. Sorry about that. Were you going to say something? No, right? I was going to say, like, Dave and I are always using the phrase, think about what you think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and unfortunately, there aren't a lot of people that are willing to do that, and especially in the adoption realm. Uh, yeah. Adoptees, like, we're we're kind of scared of, of our <laughs> internal self a lot of the times you know like what goes on in our brain and I've talked to a lot of adoptees about this and this was definitely me when I was younger I was terrified like absolutely terrified to just be by myself um, just because that made me have to come to terms with a lot of the the thoughts that I had and it just turned into self-struggles and self-worth issues and all this other stuff that I just I was not ready to deal with uh, and it took me until well into my 20s uh, to the point where I felt like I was mature enough to be able to deal with a lot of the stuff. So e- even if, you know, like that stuff is going on for like a teenage adoptee or a, an adolescent adoptee, they might not be mature enough or, and ready to be able to handle a lot of those things. Did either of you guys have uh, other friends growing up who were adoptees that that you kind of hung out with or, or were able to talk about with this, with this stuff? No. I- I have a younger brother who's adopted, but he and I never really talked about it like yeah. at all. I yeah. want, I wonder I, how much of that would make a, a difference as you're growing up with that processing and, and right. You know, yeah. Yeah. It, you hear a lot about like kids that, that have those communities and it kind of seems to go either way, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's handled very well and sometimes uh, kids take it really well and grow up with it and, and think, you know, get a lot from it. And sometimes it's completely opposite. Right. So like, I think, I think a lot of that is individualized. 
Um, I will say that again, right now we're in a time where we have access to levels of the community that we didn't have access to before. I could have named on one hand growing up the number of kids I knew that were adopted. Um, and you know, and so it just really never, never came up outside of like, I think we did culture camp a couple of times, uh, a couple of summers, <laughs> right. But, um, outside of that, like, and even then, like you're getting in, immersed in, in the culture of wherever you're, you were born or from, but like there weren't a whole lot of conversations about adoption specifically mm. with, right. with the kids at some of those events and stuff like that. So, um, I will say that it has been very interesting as an adult to have those conversations now with a wide variety of other adoptees from all walks of life and to see also just how uh, different, how disparate their stories are and how they, how they take things and where everybody stands today is there is no, there's no standard. You know, yeah. like everybody's yeah. everybody's lives and everybody's takes on where they're at with adoption or just life in general is completely different. And I don't think that that's that's adoption related. I think that's humans, right? Yeah, like, totally. We agree. all have that. Yeah. So uh, I, I want to ask, you know, when you first when the the first video starts to get traction and blow up a little bit more, and then you guys you mentioned starting to dive into some of the online communities of adoptees and different groups, and that, which is how Tana was introduced to you, I think. Um, did there did there start to become a few common questions that came your way? Like like did you guys find like how we're asking the same question over and over again, or or were were the questions all over a place that that people were were bringing to you? For the most part, it was it was about ninety percent of the same questions. Ten percent, we would get something new and be like, oh, this is something we haven't really thought about. Give us a moment to to actually gather our thoughts on it. Uh, but a lot. A lot of them just revolved around, um, you know, like culture, really. Um, do I do I need to immerse my kid in, you know, in their own culture where they were born from and, you know, like stuff like that, um, which would really dive into a lot deeper conversation. And this is where I really enjoyed the social media aspect of it is because I, I got to talk with parents about um, basically themselves, because you find that a lot of these parents that are struggling with helping their kids have failed to help themselves. Um, they're not taking care of themselves. Uh, they're not actually actively trying to be healthy people uh, and doing stuff for themselves because they're too busy trying to take care of somebody else. Uh, and, and it all came back to that. Like that was one of the biggest things that we would talk about is you need to take care of yourself before you take care of other people. It, it's the, the airplane analogy, you know, with the oxygen mask that pops down. You have to put it on yourself first before putting on the person next to you. Same thing in parenting. You have to be able to fill yourself up. Otherwise, how are you going to pour out what you don't have? I mean, that, Tana, how many times have we heard that? On, like, that, that's, that might be the number one most common recurring theme that's come out of this last season has just been, uh, has been that exact, that exact same, same thought. Dave, for you, yeah. were, were, there, were, there, uh, were there different questions that came your way or were you guys kind of filling these together? Uh, for the most part, we answer all the questions. We have canned answers for most of them now uh, that are just kind of copy paste. And then, if it was something that we'd never heard before, we would we would discuss it, and then one of us would would answer it. Or if it had something to do with something specifically, one or the other of us had read or or watched or whatever, the the person that had seen that thing would would answer it. I think thematically, like we would find uh, one parents need to take care of themselves, and that's just parents in general. 
right? Like that's, there's an adoption specific level that, that, and foster care, I think also plays into that, that, that really needs a specific level of attention. But I mean, as, as parents, we need to take care of ourselves if we're going to raise healthy adults. Right. And that's, that's kind of the point. And then I think also thematically was, as we continued to look at it, we were finding that um, a lot of parents were essentially, they were asking for permission Yes. To, to be the parent. Yes. They were asking for, for some sort of authority that was already theirs and literally just take it. Right. Like, and, and for us to, I don't know, point that out to some people was, was a big deal and was really interesting that that was, that was a, a theme of a lot of the things that were coming our way was uh, asking for, for, you know, can I do this or can I do that? And we're like, I, eh, I don't know. I'm not your kid. Like, yep. what am I supposed to tell you? Here's what you can do. You can be a parent, yeah. which means that yeah. you're going to do some of it really great and you're going to do some of it really poorly. And you just yeah. have to live with that. Right. And so uh, a lot of it was helping people just to recognize that as a, as a parent, you're not ever going to be perfect. As a human being, you're not ever going to be perfect. And uh, just embrace that, right? Which I think really has more to do with being an adult, I guess, than, yeah. <laughs> than being a, a parent. Yeah. I mean, a, yeah. a lot of those things too, like we talk with other adoptees about as well, right? You know, um, we have three, uh, what would you call them? Three values, I guess, that we kind of live behind. And it's identity, decision, and ownership. Know who you are, make those decisions based upon that, and then own up to it. That's it. Um, Davo and I, we talked years about that uh, and just kind of dove into what the, the study of each one of those were. And it's it a lot of pressure now. There's a lot of pressure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to cut that. Let me mark like, that right there because I was trying to pull up the video to ask all the question from the video. And that's confused the mess out of me. I should have no. done that on the front end. So, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Um, <laughs> But I mean, a lot of those, a lot of the the themes were around just those three things, identity, decision, and ownership. And, and when we're talking to other adoptees, um, they, they struggle in at least one of those areas, whether it's they don't know who they are, they're trying to figure it out. Um, they are terrified of making decisions of their lives uh, because, you know, parents say one thing, friends say another thing, culture says another thing, and internally I'm thinking something completely different. Um, or it's just the ownership. Like uh, when Davo said, you know, um, one of the stories that we would tell is, you know, like we would never turn in work because, you know, always terrified of being judged, um, you know, like taking any kind of uh, correctionist criticism. We just want to turn stuff in. Um, mm-hmm. And we just could not own up to having a wrong answer whenever it came to schoolwork even. So that ownership it kind of trickles into more uh, meaningful things uh, later on. And so we, we have a lot of our discussions with other adoptees just based around those three topics. Man, so I think, think gearing back to the videos that you guys started off with, obviously what, what, uh, what seemed to resonate most just looking at the number of views they've gotten all that were when you would, when you would talk about uh, the things or phrases never to say uh, to now, do you guys have a favorite, a favorite in that? Like, are there, are, do you have your like crowning favorite thing never to say or, or to have said to you? Like, or, <laughs> or I guess a better question might be like, were there some that you felt like we've got to address this because it happens all the time. We got to say these, these few things here. 
gosh. I honestly would have to go through the list again. Hang on. Oh, man. <laughs> For me, it's probably the I, – I heard how much did you cost so oh many gosh. times, like so many times growing up. How much did you cost? Um, which just be kind of – it became a joke to me after a while. You know, like I started – I'm a troll. I'm a huge troll. Uh, and so I would just start messing with people that would ask that question and just come up with ridiculous answers. And be like, oh, I was free. Weren't you free? Or, you know, like, oh, I cost a million dollars because my parents are super rich and they love me and they could afford me just to just mess with people. But yeah. there is a lot of really – <laughs> strong identity stuff within that uh so you know like that's a hot one for me and then also just having uh an adopted brother who's also from south korea uh are you blood brothers i don't even know what that term means it sounds terrifying blood brothers right it's from like a jean-claude van damme movie or something yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> that was really like, good who came up with that uh, horrible it's horrible <laughs> Yeah, here, let's cut my hand and high five. They just, they they don't know what to do with themselves, you know? They just just don't always know what to do with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Well, so why why don't we... Why don't we kind of make a, we can have a segment here where you guys can give, if you're giving advice to other adoptees who are um, a few years behind in their journey. So maybe they're, they're kind of looking up to you guys and going, okay, they're, they're a few years ahead and they seem, I mean, look how together they are. These guys have got it all going for them. Like I want to, I want to be able to kind of mirror their progress. What would be some of your advice as, as uh, adoptees are kind of walking into maybe into their teens, into their early twenties, uh, for beginning to process through this journey and and trying to figure out kind of how to figure out things. Shoot, um, I, I'm thinking of I'm thinking about this list now, and I'm thinking about all the things that were said to me. Uh, one, I do have a favorite, and it's um, uh, anything that basically says that uh, aren't you lucky? Aren't you aren't you just you know good for you? fantastic good for you Uh, you know i i used to hear that all the time as a kid and i would be like oh is it though like i don't okay what are you supposed to do with that especially as a a kid like what are you supposed to even do with that but as as i look at that the answer to those questions i look at all those things now and how we're able to laugh at them or how we're able to to enjoy those things now one is uh as as a adoptee or as any person really it's it's um, very freeing to recognize that your identity is up to you. Like you get to decide a lot of, of who you are and we're going to take as many influences and as many things as are useful. But at the end of the day, as we grow older, we get to decide who we're going to be. And that's very cool. Yeah. That's very freeing. Um, and I think the more that, that we as people and the more that adoptees are able to recognize that who you are is not determined by where you've been, but it's determined by where you decide to go, that that's, that becomes a, a huge advantage for those of us because there's, there's uh, any, any option is available, which is, which is pretty sweet. And then the other one is just in dealing with other people. I think um, that people are not, in my experience, I think in our experience, most people are not inherently like terrible people. They're not yeah. trying to, to, to get me down. They're not right. trying to ask a question to make me feel bad or to bring something up that's that's traumatic from my past or any of these things. Like they're not they're not doing any of those things. Most people are just ignorant to what the the uh, effect of those questions or effect of those words or those statements is on somebody that's had this experience. And really, how can I expect that they would know? 
How right. would I expect yeah. that they would have any idea of what this would, would mean to me? Because they haven't had these experiences. Now, right. if Brett comes to me and is very serious and says one of those things, like, you know, uh, how much, hey, how much was your adopt? Like, I would. Your birth well, mother must have been really beautiful, Devo. <laughs> well, clearly. <laughs> look at, you know. Um, <laughs> Oh my goodness. I don't <laughs> like how are you supposed to do de- I yeah. you had to bring that one up, didn't you? So, no, no, no. <laughs> For those of y'all that are only listening, I do believe Davo is um is, is some bright shades of red right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Brett, your birth mother must have been really beautiful. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. And if she's yeah. listening to this podcast, make sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe. That's right. She's send, following you. Send money. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Sorry guys. <laughs> it just took a turn. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking before the show uh for all of you listening about the amount of censorship that we all have to do uh to each other when <laughs> when you have the the spiritual gift of sarcasm, you have to like hold it very very tightly in moments like this because it can get out of control. <laughs> yeah. Um, that could have gotten much worse. So. Well, yeah. and I, I mean <laughs> The thing, you know, I, there's a friend of ours um, who's an adoptee who, who was sharing some of these same sentiments and just said, you know, one of the things I started doing is just asking the same questions I was getting back to people who were mm-hmm. biological kids in their family. And yep. there would be such confusion on their face and he would go, exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's, you know, that's, that's I think that's one of the things that, that helped him a lot, but that, yeah, the beautiful birth mom uh, comment is first of all, burn, burn to your mom too. Like, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, uh, sorry, Dave. <laughs> no, I've never seen your mom. So I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that saying took, that. That took so many takes just to get through reading that. Still, yeah. When we oh, did it on the imagine. video the first time. Yeah. Still used an outtake <laughs> it was, for it. That was rough. Yeah. Like there's, there's been some funny, some funny things that have been said and they're all, they're all still there. Right. Like it was interesting. I think I've had people compare my kids to like my, my pictures of my mom or my dad. Right. Like who are clearly white and don't look anything like <laughs> Sure. Be like, Oh, they get traits of blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, how, no. How are you? <laughs> how did you devise that exactly? Like, I'm really curious. I'm no. genuinely interested. Where did you come to this? Yeah, I need you no. need to show your work on that one. Like that. Yeah. That needs to be. I need to see the evidence there. That yeah, our, that's a. Our, our oldest is from South Korea, and when we were waiting to travel to go pick him up, we were like, I don't know, my husband's small hometown, and. We ran into some old family friends. They're like, oh, we hear you guys are adopting. And as all proud parents do, yes, and here's a picture. And they froze, mind you, you know, infant, Asian, you know, South Korean boy. Froze, mm-hmm. looked at a picture, looked up at my husband, who's white, Caucasian, redhead. And said, oh, <laughs> he looks just like you. Like, um, so, so, he's a human. <laughs> Like human male, yes, he is. And then all things stop at that moment. I have the same number of nostrils. Like it's amazing. I'm like, oh, you, oh dear. Okay, you know, I don't know. Again, it it was the sentiment. I just, I don't know. It's, it's a yeah. Yeah. People back to what you were saying, Davo. People genuinely were didn't have the worst of intentions. I just don't. No, they don't. Yeah, they sure. just don't know what to say. It's like yeah. it's one of those like I gotta fill the void with something. So here's yeah. just the first words that are available. Right. Yeah. 
right? Uh, and yes. uh, and it's so easy to, to, especially just in in the world we live in today, it's so easy to be offended by all these things. And I think uh, the more that we can find genuine amusement in awkwardness, just the better off we're all going to be. It does feel too like you guys have have done a great job of like when you are secure in your own self and able to, to, you know, leverage those conversations in order to educate as opposed to, to shame or to cancel. I, I will say y'all have missed an opportunity on the cancel culture market because you could have just used this opportunity in 2020. It'd be like in fourth grade, this person said this to me, they're kids. I'm like, sick them to the internet. Oh, you know? man. No, we, we actually, we canceled our own stuff. Uh, so we we had a group. Our our Facebook page is about like five thousand five hundred, I think almost. And we had a group of seventeen hundred people, just a private, not really a private group, really. Yeah. Um, you know, like we just started it for you know mostly adoptive parents wanting to ask questions and for other adoptees to be able to give input. We're terrible moderators, and by <laughs> we I mean I'm a terrible moderator because Davo didn't really go on it at all. So <laughs> unless I told him, hey, I. Need you to read this question please help me out because i don't know what to say here mm-hmm. uh yeah so that was the only real moderator we had and it got so toxic after a while that we just canceled Man. ourselves yeah. we're like nope forget it we're done and we put a post out there we're like guys can't handle it you're all terrible human beings please go away <laughs> <laughs> thanks for trying we're gonna do I something mean, that we have more control over yeah yeah well, and that's a lot of pressure, like to sort of have to, as adopted persons, like speak on behalf of, that's just, it's just a lot of pressure. It's yeah. a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, and you get to walk away if you need to walk away, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, what we found, walk away. what yeah. we found was a lot of, like a lot of the upset people. And again, like not trying to discredit anybody's story. A lot of them were adopted or adopted. Um, and it, it, it was just really difficult because we're trying to help parents. Like that's what we kind of set out to do during that uh, in that group is to be able to help educate parents. And a lot of these other adoptees who would be like, well, no, it's terrible advice because I had this happen to me when I was five and I'm 63 years old now and I can't believe anybody. And, you know, we've talked about it at the beginning of the show. Culture is different with adoption right now. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just because what happened back in the day does not mean it's happening now. And that was a huge, a huge thing right there is, you know, um, a, a lot of adoptees are just, uh, we, we've, I don't, I hate stereotyping, right? I sure. hate trying to put everybody in a group, but from a lot of conversations, a lot of adoptees just kind of have accepted what is, is what is, um, instead of trying to figure out why it is. Um, and so that's unfortunately a, a huge thing that's going around in just nowadays society right now is people are just accepting things for what it is instead of asking themselves, why is it this way? Does it need to be this way? If it doesn't, how can I change it? How can I make it better? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where Dave and I have really started diving in into these conversations with ourselves, with other people is uh, let's get past the what we understand the byproduct. We understand what's happening now. Let's dig into the why. Why are you like yeah. this? Why is your situation like this? And what can you do to get out of it? Yeah. What does it have to be? Yeah. Is is an interesting is an interesting observation, an interesting question. Just of like again, what, at what point do you get to have responsibility? At what point do we get to make decisions about how we respond, about who we are, about the way that we develop? And at what point are we are we adults? And I think that um, that's that's one of those areas that we see for a lot of adoptees is like they're at what point will people stop treating me like a child? And now I'm an adult and I'm able to be my own person and I'm and I'm 
I'm on my own. And we see that kind of thematically as well. And that's that's one of the narratives that we do push forward. We, we want to say, yeah, look, you're, you're a fully functional adult. Go and make decisions. Go decide how you want things to be. Go decide who you're who you're going to be. Um, I think the other side of that coin is also that, you know, uh, what we do is on the internet, right? And uh, the internet kind of tends to amplify whatever is available. And the more we've discovered, the more times we've been speaking and the more we've been doing the show, the longer we've been doing this, what we've discovered is that a lot of people, um, a lot of people have, uh, have, assumed that adoptees are one way because that's what's available on the internet. And the reason that Brett and I and our show seems to be such a novelty is because there's really outside of the show, nothing that interesting about us. No, not at all. <laughs> like we, you know, we're a couple of guys that have families that live pretty solid, normal lives and have careers and, and, you know, marriages and all that stuff. There's nothing dramatic here. Right. There's nothing about this that's like, oh, that's so like he's out with a megaphone or he's out doing these things. There's nothing about me that's really that interesting outside of the fact that I, you know, like I'm adopted and I have a show. Right. (laughs) Um, And and that's the whole deal. And the more time we spend uh, connecting with other adoptees outside of the realm of of the show or outside of the realm of the forums or the groups or whatever, what we're discovering is that most of them are just kind of living, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. most yeah. of them are fine, well-adjusted adults that live their lives. And so why would their stories be the thing that we find in the media or find on the right. internet? Because, yeah. uh, I mean you know, um, we're not celebrities. And so there's nothing interesting about like Brett and Davo went grocery shopping today. Right. <laughs> like there's, there's no part of that, that, that anybody's going to find interesting. And, right. um, I think the more time we spend talking to adoptees and, and encouraging other adoptees, part of that question comes down to don't, don't find your community in these places, go out and find your community, go right. spend some time with, other other adoptees that are just you know that are happy that are living their lives and aren't seeking media attention and aren't trying to do xyz thing they really just want to be a you know functioning humans yeah yeah i had a roommate in college and his uh the the thing that he would say all the time in uh conversation is ah you got to watch those absolutes and so anytime mm-hmm. that someone in our house would say all or always or or oh you always do that he'd say ah you got to watch those absolutes Pretty sure I've done that differently one time at least, you know, and I think that's a great rule of thumb for us in human interaction, right? Like there is not one group of people on earth that all do anything. Like we are all completely different. And I love that y'all touched on that earlier, being able to, you know, to address, you know, just, just critical analysis of, of the advice that you're getting and being able to look through what you're hearing and, and, you know, contextualizing it for yourself, I, I think is super important. And, um, and work that y'all are doing that we're, I don't know, we're all just really grateful for. Um, last question as we get ready to wrap up here. So uh, we've sort of touched on advice for adoptees and, and for current adoptive parents throughout the entire thing. Um, are, are there things that you guys think about uh, that you wish adoptive parents would know before they set down this road? Like um, things, things that are just, you know, you might not think about that as adults, you can look back and go, yeah, I think this is a, fairly important measure that people ought to consider before they jump into this arena? Yeah. Um, One, you're not saving a child. 
you're raising an heir. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. a huge one. You know, the, the superhero mentality, we've talked a lot about that with parents. Um, you know, and there's a lot, a lot of really great adoptive parents out there doing it right. Yeah. But, you know, there's some people, unfortunately, that just go into it with the wrong intentions. They feel like they mm-hmm. need to save the world one child at a time. Uh, and all you're really doing is is just kind of forgetting about everybody else in your family, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because you're too busy saving the world, you're neglecting what's already over here. Um, that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, another one for me personally would just be uh, you don't always have to push the issue. Um, one of one of the biggest impactful things, and actually came from Davo, and I can let him share the story. Um, but um, his mom, like you know, and my parents did this as well, and I never really realized it. But it, the story that he tells is great. But his mom was just present um, during times when you know, like as a parent, you want to fix the problem. Your kid's in pain. You don't know what to do. You want to dive into. Let's try to figure it out and help. Um, but after hearing like him share that story, I remember like going home and like, huh, my parents did the same thing. Sometimes they would just sit next to my bed and they would just be there. Uh, even when I was sleeping kind of a, to a creepy point, you know, like they would just be sitting at my bed and then they would just be there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will, I will share those stories in a minute as well. Um, I think the, the, the major things that I would look at for parents are uh, I, kind of the same things that we've already talked about. It's, it's you're the parent, right? Mm-hmm. And that's part of your identity, and you need, to, you need to recognize that and understand that, right? Like, it's not a question of, you know, and I think this is kind of a universal for just those of us that have kids, that we need to recognize that we're the parent first. It's mm-hmm. important that we are the parent and these children are our responsibility and that not only is it the responsibility to have kids, but our responsibility is to raise adults, right? So um, I was, uh, when my mom passed away in 2013, uh, I got, uh, I, I found all of my papers, right? So I found my parents' home study and I found all of their documents and everything that they had, which I'd always had access to, but I never just, you know, asked about. I never yeah. had any notion to look through. And so I go through this file and there's all this interesting stuff in there that, you know, it's it's uh, me as, a, as an infant and kind of whatever is available, the four or five pages that are available for me from um, Eastern Child Welfare Services and uh, everything else that was that was there. Uh, but also w- what was interesting was my, my parents' home study. And so my mom had filled out the question. They had, you know, they asked the question. I don't know if they still do this, but what is your definition of a successful adoption? Right. And both of my parents had taken the same thing. They both answered the same thing. Uh, I was just reading my mom's. And so they asked the question on that page, what is your definition of a successful adoption? And my mom had written a well-adjusted adult. And mm-hmm. um, that's a way that we've been describing ourselves in, in our, you know, 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm as we've, as we've grown and as we've started families of our own is that I'm a, I'm a well-adjusted adult. I know how to handle my stuff. I know who I am. I know how to make decisions accordingly. I own up to whatever the consequences of those decisions are. And that's, that's important. Um, and so I think if I were going to, going to say anything to, to parents along those lines, it's that, uh, we're not, and this is not just adoptive parents or foster parents or, or parents in general. It's, it's all of us. It's saying we're not here to, to, have kids, right? We're here to raise adults that can go out and, and be 
fully functioning members of society. And that's the point. And so everything that we do is in service to that. It's not in service to like, oh, we're going to bring this kid home. And then we've got like a a kid. That's how you, that's how you get a puppy, right? (laughs) We're talking about how are we going to raise successful adults? And um, I think having that perspective is really important for, for families. Okay. So the story that Brett referenced earlier uh, Dave, you want to share that with us? <laughs> sure. I'll give you that one as well. Um, so uh, I, I think Brett's right when we talk about, um, about presence, right? So like, it's really important that, that we as parents or that you as parents, especially of adopted kids, be present. And it's not about, it's not even a question of picking your battles. It's not a question of, of what, you know, where to engage or what to do, because we're not trying to fix things. We're not there to, to, you know, uh, fix broken kids were there to raise adults. And so uh, this is a, it's a story from, I think sixth grade is when this kind of came up for me. And it, I think that's, it tends to be true for a lot of adoptees about that, that age range and the uh, just ending into teenager years. And then we've got like maturity is kind of thrust upon us and all these kinds of things. But um, it was social studies in sixth grade. And, and the project of course was the family tree project. And so I had had that assigned and I went through, took it home, went through it with my, my mom and, and we were uh, in our guest bedroom and, and had put down, you know, the tree and it's got the trunk and it's over holster. And, and here's the, the names, here's grandma and grandpa and all of our aunts and uncles and cousins and blah, blah, blah. And it was, that was the first time that I think for me, that it really dawned on me that, um, that there are people out there that I'm related to that I don't know, that I've never met. And that, that people specifically in that point was encompassed by, I have a mom and this follows the progression for most adoptees at this point. And so I'm not unique in this. The next question that followed was, was immediately, why didn't she want me? What was wrong with me as a kid that, that, prompted, you know, that, that I'm adopted and that there's this person whose name is all we have. We just have a name. Right. And, uh, that gave me life and where, what, what happened there. And it was that point I just broke down. Right. So like there, I think yeah. I spent maybe the next couple of days just sobbing, just completely just lost it and, uh, cried for a couple of days. And the, the profound thing here was that my mom did not offer me any solutions. My mom did not offer me any options or any words of encouragement or any, anything. She didn't, she didn't try to do anything. She sat with me for, for two days. She took a day off work and she sat with me and rubbed my back and just was there and was just present through, uh, through the the hardest identity crisis that I've ever gone through uh, up to that point. And I think that's profound, right? Yeah. As, as we talk about what, what can parents do? The best thing that you as a parent can do, in my opinion, I think, is, is be present. Be there. You don't have to do anything else. You just have to be present. I, I cannot think of anything to say to that. That, that, is, <laughs> that is incredible. Um, yeah. man, thank you for sharing that story. Um, hopefully that's useful. I think <laughs> about your mom and how I just so resonate with her mother's heart, you know, I just mm. personalized like how she must've been feeling and what must've been going through her head. And I've heard so many just adult adoptees share with me how we can get tripped up in that moment of wanting to fix it. 
Mm. and maybe start spinning some narratives or stories or like try to save our kids from their pain and tell them some things that may or may not actually be true of their story. Mm. So like, man, if your mom really did just hold that space and not try to offer solutions, um, I wish I could like have a little conversation with your mom because she did that. She did that a little bit before her time. I really Mm. think so. There was something really intuitive and present about that. And so I just appreciate you sharing that. It's really hard. You know that even as a dad, like we want to tell our children the thing that will save them from the ache and pain. So I've had some adult adoptees say, oh, we, we try to wrap it up with a bow and you know, spin the positive birth family narrative and we don't actually know the birth family narrative. So to hold pain with a hurting kid, it takes a whole lot of something to sit in that. And so I just appreciate you for our listening audience to think about, and I'm even going to think about it as a mom. Yeah. When do we want to run and fix it or snap a bow on it or rescue our kiddos when the building of strength and resiliency is to show them how to sit in pain and to stick with them in it. Mm-hmm. And it harks back to that saviorism thing that Brett was saying. We want to innately save our children from hard, yeah. save our children from pain. And that is actually the opposite of what I think that we're supposed to be doing as parents. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to yeah. sit and be present in the pain, yeah. even yeah. if it makes us uncomfortable. Like It is <laughs> yeah. hard. We yes. want to... We want to care for the people that are hurting that we deeply care about. So um, thank you for sharing that. That really speaks to me and my mother's heart um, a lot about what it means to sit with. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sit in the mess. <laughs> it's really, yeah, in, in it all. I mean, in it all for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's good. All right. Well, guys, thank you all so much for coming on today, for um, for being here, for sharing your stories, and, um, and just being really gracious with, with uh, information about yourselves and, and background that's just really precious. And so we're, we're just really grateful for that and, and thankful that you are willing to, you know, laugh and, and be able to bring some levity to, to what can be really heavy, hard conversations uh, through your channel. So I know we're all going to be uh, continuing to watch for more content to come out. Um, and, uh, and you guys are both extremely well-adjusted adults. And so thank you uh, for being on with us today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, huge, huge thank you to Brent and Davo for joining us today. Um, you should go follow them. We've got all of their um, channels and everything linked in our show notes. So make sure that you spend some time watching through uh, their videos today. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, uh, that you follow them on Facebook as well. Um, I, I would just encourage you to uh, keep locked in with them just as a resource for um, being able to share uh, the thoughts and feelings and um, processing of uh, adult adopted persons and men. They're just um, on top of just being really insightful and uh, and vulnerable. They're they're so funny and just enjoyable people to be around. So uh, again, huge thanks to them. Uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. That is because uh, Thanksgiving is coming up, and so we are going to uh, have a few more episodes come out, and then we will t- be taking a break for the kind of Christmas season. So uh, when we come back from Thanksgiving, we'll have an episode uh, talking about transitions, talking about managing those transitions, setting expectations, trying to aim for consistency. Um, it'll be another Connecting Principle episode for us. Uh, we'll have that coming out of the holiday break, uh, as well as uh, as well as some other stuff for you. So uh, it's 
it's going to be, uh, it's gonna be a, a fun uh, couple episodes leading up to the holidays, and then we're going to take a break for the holidays, and we cannot wait to share with you what we've got lined up for the new year. So uh, for everybody here at Empowered to Connect, for um, Tad Jewett, who created all of our music, for Kyle Wright, who mixes and edits all of our episodes, uh, for Tana and Mo Ottinger, who uh, head up the ship at ETC, and for myself, J.D. Wilson, uh, we will see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast.